Good morning and walk, welcome to the Marysville 3CU Church. Today we're going to tell you uh, some stories. Now these are biblical stories and you're welcome to follow along in the book of Acts. Uh, the focus of the message will be in Acts chapter 9 and verses 10 through 19, but there's a lot of history that happens before we get there. And you may not be familiar with the stories that are taking place. Now, you might have heard of somebody by the name of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul. But you may or may not know that at one time he went, he was actually, you would find him in the Bible under the name of Saul. Now, this is in the New Testament. We're not talking about Saul from the Old Testament and David. This is New Testament. This is New Testament. And in the book of Acts, it talks about things that happened primarily after Jesus was crucified, died, and then he rose again. He ascended, and then we start out in the book of Acts is with the Pentecost Sunday, with the coming of the Holy Spirit, and those types of things. And things were happening in the new church. And during this time period, they were trying to take care of the widows and the orphans, which is something that we should do, right? But it was becoming very... There was a lot to do. There's a, uh, there's a, and as the numbers expanded and people were getting, getting saved, it would seem that it would make sense that the numbers would expand. And so they decided to create and put people in charge that would be overtaking care of these widows while they worked on ministry stuff. Basically, kind of what we're used to for this concept of deacons today. Some people have deacons in their churches. And, and among these that they picked were Stephen. And uh, Stephen was one of them that was picked, and I believe there were seven. And Stephen, they came after Stephen, and in chapter 7, you would find the discord of uh, Stephen, and he gives a, a history, if you're not familiar with some of the uh, history, uh, including some of the Old Testament history and the moving of, of the... Israelites out of Egypt and, and the deliverance and different things like that. You could hear, read Stephen's message that he shares. Well, after Stephen shares this message to them, Stephen becomes the first martyr of Christianity, and they stone him. They take him out, and he stone, they stone him. And Saul, remember the apostle Paul, at this time is Saul. Saul was very trained in the religious aspects the religious aspect, you know, religions, you go through a process as religion. He was very religious. And I want to distinguish that because people can be very religious, meaning they religiously go to church, they religiously go through a format, but you can be a religious, you can basically under that um, definition, you can be a religious drunk. You religiously go to the bar, you religiously drink, you religiously get drunk. It's not about the religion and the process. It's about a relationship with Jesus. But Paul was very religious, very trained, had a lot of understanding. And you'll find in the scripture it says, when they stoned Stephen, that Paul was consenting unto his death. And as I recall, they threw their cloaks so that they could, you know, when somebody's throwing a baseball or something, they might take off their coats and stuff. But these guys wanted to be able to throw their stones well to kill this man, Stephen. So they lay, laid their cloaks, their coats at 
Saul's feet. Saul then went about, the church was growing and things were happening, and he went around and he was persecuting the church, dragging them into prison, causing a great havoc. At this time, you know, people were scattered, there was fear. The, the religious, this group of people that Jesus used to call scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, because they went through the motions of religion, but denied the faith in that activity. Paul was going out and now gathering people up. Remember, they had stones Stephen, and they, he was gathering people up and having them thrown into prison because of their faith in Jesus. And Saul was doing these kinds of activities, and God saw him on the road and basically had a confrontation with Saul that led to Saul's conversion. Saul, the same Saul that had been persecuting the church. I don't mean persecuting as in calling you names, which some people in today might think that's persecuting. It wasn't in words. He was dragging them off to prison. It's this Saul that God struck down, blinded, and so we end up with a Saul that's leading into his conversion. And now we will remember him as Paul. But it's this Saul that we run into. This Saul that had been involved in this persecuting. This Saul that was consenting to Stephen's death. It's this Saul, this tyrant as it were, that comes into our story. And we meet in verse 10 a man by the name of Ananias. So we're going to go back and we're going to read for you Acts 9, 1 through 9 and remind you of what happened if you're not, or inform you if you're not aware of what Saul happened, what's happened to Saul. And then we're going to go into our focus. So Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Then Saul, Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, that would be of the Christian movement, as it were, many of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then he said, Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now, I could, I can and I have preached a sermon just on that section. But this is the background. We're going to focus now on verse 10. Enter Ananias. Verse 10. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here am I, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus, 
For behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. The Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way, and entering, to the, entering the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you come, came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. And Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. And if we read on, we'd find out that he was preaching and in the synagogues almost immediately. So this is Saul, and now we're going to focus on Ananias. Father God, I pray that you'd just be with us these next few moments as we expound on this scripture, that we might say the words that are meaningful and helpful to the edifying of the church, and that we might be obedient hearers of the word. Just give me the right words in the right way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Ananias. Ananias. So Saul was pushing and pushing, and God says, you're pushing against the goads. Basically, the goads were these pricks that they would use for oxen to keep them going the right direction. And, and God's trying to prompt Saul in the direction. It would seem that Saul was trying to go towards God, but he was all mixed up, and God woke him up and got him on the right path and changed him around. But in the meantime, Saul needed some help, and God's going to send somebody to help him. And I want you to put yourself in the place of Ananias. Have you ever run into someone, and maybe you've been prompted by the Holy Spirit, and say, hey, you should invite them to church. And you're like, why should I invite them to church? They don't even like me. Why should I invite them to church? They make fun of me. Why should I invite them to church? They're, they're very hard on me. Why should I invite them to church? They don't even know what church is. They're not very nice. They're drunk. They're druggards. They're this. They're that. Why should I invite them to church? Uh, maybe because God told you to. When God prompts you and tells you to go, here you have Ananias. You have Ananias. We're not talking about knocking on somebody's door and them saying, shutting the door and saying, uh, no, I don't want to hear about church. We're not talking about knocking on somebody's door and having them yell back at you. We're talking about knocking on somebody's door that has the authority to take you off to prison that hasn't been nice about Christianity, that might not fit the mold of what you think a perfect Christian should look like. It'd kind of be like, it's, it's, it's like even when someone comes to church and there's visitors, you have, you have somebody coming in the door and they look very nice and, and uh, they look very proper and, and you're like, wow, they would be great to have here at church. But then somebody comes in and they look 
not what you expect them to look like to come to church. And you might not give them the time of day when they might actually be the ones that you're supposed to talk to. They're the ones that God wants to convert. They're the ones that, well, you get the idea. If you think about it, if when you first learned about Christ, some people learn about Christ in different ways. If someone was looking at you before you became a Christian, would you be a likely candidate? So Ananias is told to go and to talk. And he tells God, you, you know, you realize. And Saul gives him, uh, excuse me, and Jesus gives him his instructions. And, he's, and he goes. And he goes. He goes to this, this blind man by the name of Saul. And he goes in and. And he says to them, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. It's very interesting in the, that God used Ananias to complete and bring healing to Saul. And it doesn't say here he tells him to go. It says, Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him so that he might receive his sight. So he goes on laying his hands on him and brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you the road has came and has sent me that you may be receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it happened just like God said it was going to happen. The question becomes, are you open to be Ananias? Are you willing to be Ananias? Which means that some of your ardent foes, some of your harshest critics, that you would be open to inviting them to church. You'd be open to talking about the Jesus. Or maybe they become a Christian and you would be open to discipling them in. Young Christians don't always do things the way that might seem proper to you. They're just young Christians. They're like children in Christ. There's things that children do that, oh, that's okay. They're, they're just young. They'll learn. Sometimes we don't afford that to young Christians in Christ so that they mature. We don't give them time to learn. We expect them to, they're five years old, and we ask them to act like they're 21 years old, and they're not going to be able to do that. At the same time, some of you are 21 year, years old, and you shouldn't be acting like it. So that's when the preacher might get a little more aggressive. The challenge we have is as, as I preach to a congregation or preach to wherever, I'm preaching to some that are older and should know better. But the people that are five are hearing the same message. And so we need to nurture them and help them along. 
And we will find that even though Saul went out and was preaching immediately in the synagogues, that he spent time with the disciples and he learned. And we'll find, we would find later in scriptures that he was learning from them. So the question is, is who is the Saul in your life that you are to be Ananias for? Who is that person in your life that God is doing something in? God has maybe done a work in, and unbeknownst to you, but He's sending you to be part of that. He's sending you to help them be able to see better. Saul here was blind. And you could, you could imply and, and tell the story that he was blind to a lot of things. And he needed, he needed his eyes open to the Scripture and the truth of the Scriptures and eyes open to Jesus. But here is Saul. He's dependent now on God. He can't see. He's dependent on others. He's come to this crisis point, And God sends Ananias. To who is God sending you? Someone that maybe has opened their heart to God now but they need someone to come alongside, someone to help. To whom is God sending you? I think it's fair to extend this as we look back and we look uh, to who Jesus went to and the publicans and the sinners. That it's the same true for us as we go through and we go witnessing and we invite people to church or we come in contact with people. We might tag them as, oh, they're not worthy. They're not at the right caliber. But Jesus went to them just as they are. And so we need to be careful not to have standards on who we will witness to and not witness to and who we go to and not go to. We need, just need to go when the Holy Spirit tells us to go and in obedience, even if they are our ardent opposition. And so that's why it causes great concern, at least to me, as I see some of the conduct of people on Facebook especially sometimes when it's Christians and Christians, in the outlook of the world, the way that we interact with those who are trying to learn in the faith and the examples that we're teaching them, that we don't cause a rift so that we can't go to them anymore. Because those that are our ardent opposition as, the, as their view of life, because they don't have a Christian worldview, they don't base their life on the Bible, and we're arguing with them about what the Bible says when they don't know what the Bible says, and they don't have the Holy Spirit. We need to get them converted. We have to be careful. I'm not saying don't tell the truth, and I'm not saying don't be bold in the, in the faith, but there are ways to do it without coming across as though you are Saul holding the robes for people that are stoning Stephen. We just have to be careful we don't get on the bandwagon and so happy to stone other people that we miss the opportunity to maybe impact the life for Christ, to help them along the path, that we don't cause a situation where we lose our opportunity to witness. So that's your challenge today. Is God asking you to be an Ananias to someone? Someone you don't know that God's been speaking to. Someone you don't know that God's brought them to the point of salvation. But are you willing? Are you willing? 
even if they're your ardent foe, even if they persecute you in words. Ananias was concerned because Paul was persecuting people physically, and I don't think we have it that bad where we live today. So think about it. Think about it as you witness. Think as you come in contact with people. First of all, be willing to witness. Be willing to witness. I've told you it can be just be as simple as taking the, the business cards of the church and handing them out. You know, after you go out to eat or something, you leave it. You leave it. Hopefully you were a nice customer. Don't leave it if you weren't a nice customer. Uh, hopefully if you meet somebody at the car parts store, you can leave the card there. Or leave something. Or leave a bulletin. Or invite them to church. Do something to impact and to invite and bring people into the church and bring people into the kingdom. Bringing them to church doesn't bring them in the kingdom. So if you want to go ahead and witness to them and lead them in the plan of salvation as God leads you, you go ahead and do that too. But I'm just trying to say, look for these opportunities. Be willing to go, even to the unlovely, even to the ones that don't seem like they make sense, even if they're your ardent foe. But be willing if God sends you. Let's be standing together. Father God, I pray that you'd help each one of us to be willing to be Ananias. Father, be willing to witness or be willing to have interaction with, to be able, willing to help someone on their spiritual walk with you, even if they persecute people like us. Even if, Lord, they don't quite match up with what we think we would like to have in our church. But Lord, help us to want in our church what you want in your church. You want the unsaved. You want to bring them to a saving knowledge of you. And help us, the Lord, to be that Ananias, to bridge that gap, to be your hands, to be your feet, to do what you ask to do. Help us in our attitudes, in our outlook, that we might be able to say and look and say, oh, there's somebody, there's somebody that you're asking me to talk to about the Lord. Help us, the Lord, to take care on how we interact with other people that are our ardent foes because there might be a point you would give us an opportunity to witness to them, to invite them to church, the Lord, to help them in their spiritual walk. Whatever it might be, help us to be willing. Help us to be willing. Help us not to be partial in how we look through things and to judge people through our own eyes, but allow you to guide us, we pray. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.